Well, good morning, Christ Community. Tim Spanberg here. Uh, and let me just address the question you have right now, which is, uh, man, online stage designs getting uh, uh, getting a little out of hand. Uh, who built that? Um, it's not re- it's it, it's not fake. It's not built. It is real. Um, I'm speaking to you from Colorado, uh, which raises uh, another question: uh, Why? Uh, and the reason is is I try to get away every year for a couple days just to to slow down and to hear from God and to listen. And that's this week is, is a week of prayer um, for me. Um, the second reason why is, is at the beginning of this week before I came out here, uh, the campus pastors, uh, we really felt like we just, we wanted to slow down, have a different type of, of service, push pause in the parable sermon, and just speak as a family to, um, to the crisis our country is in right now. Like many of you are hurting, uh, we have questions. So this service is going to be a little bit different, although aren't all online services different. Um, I'm giving you the greeting now. Welcome. Uh, in a second, I'm going to read our text, then go ahead and give the sermon. Then we'll do a, a song of response for some space to, to process, and then a benediction to close us out. It's a little bit different shorter and my hope is is you'll use the time after we're after the service is over um, to process with um, with God uh, so with that said if, if you're new if you're listening to this, this is kind of a family it's kind of a different type of service but we still we'd love to know you there's a connect card online you can fill out and obviously we we care deeply about praying for one another so please if, if there's any way we can pray for you email us um, any of the staff uh, the prayer card online as well can work so, sermon. Uh, before I jump into the text, let me just say, if you have kids, you may want to watch this first, um, depending on their level of awareness of what's happening in the world around them. Um, nothing crazy is going to be said, but in case, depending on how much you've communicated to them, you may want to watch it um, first. So with that, the, the text we picked as campus pastors is Luke 11. And it's where Jesus is asked by the disciples to be taught to pray. And the reason why we, we, we went to this passage um, is because I think a lot of us feel like, man, what, what are the words that I can speak right now uh, into the midst of a, of a country in turmoil? And listen, I've had, I've had three days just to process and pray, and I'm still in a place of, of God, what, what can be said right now? And so the disciples go to Jesus. They say, Jesus, how do we pray And I think what Jesus says to them is an answer for us, for what we are to pray and say in this moment. So our text is Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 5. It's where Jesus is asked by the disciples, what do we pray? And here's how Jesus answers. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Let me pray for us before we unpack that text. Father, we pray that in the midst of the questions we have, the uncertainty we have, the turmoil we're living in the midst of, you would speak. 
your spirit has powerfully guided the church through so much. And so we want the spirit to lead us now to serve you faithfully and to point this world to the beauty and person of Jesus. In whose name we pray, amen. Uh, well, two, two items by way of introduction as we begin the sermon. Um, the first is, you know, one of my pastoral convictions is that theology is best done in community. Or like, I don't believe my job as a pastor is to, to go up on a mountain, hear from God, and then come down and, and say, okay, here's what the truth is. I, I, think, I think it's better done in conversation, back and forth. And what's hard uh, about the times we live in is I'm, I'm speaking to a cam, uh, camera in the desert right now, uh, surrounded by mountains, which are awesome. Um, but this is weird, right? And because of COVID-19, um, my own personal interactions with folks have been limited to phone calls, which is hard, or Zoom calls, which feels even harder. Um, and so I just want to name that. And I, what I see um, this, this morning as, this time as, is really the beginning of a conversation. And it's good at, listen, there's some tension here. And, and I, I'm not afraid of that because I believe when we dive into tension, that's where we grow. Right? That's where the back and forth happens and, and we're, we deepen in our discipleship. And that's what I want to say uh, second, by way of introduction, is, is when I came out here, uh, you know, I, I love hiking in Kansas City. And I can go long distances, hike long distances, um, and feel pretty good about that. So I, I planned to do a hike a couple days ago, um, which was only about three and a quarter mile one way. But it was going up about thirty uh, or 3,000 feet in elevation. And I thought, you know, I'll, I can do that. I'll just take my time, um, be patient. Um, guys, have you ever tried to climb up 3,000 feet in, in three miles? It's not easy, uh, and I could not do it because it turns out I am in, I'm in Kansas City hiking shape. I am not in Colorado hiking shape. Uh, and what my heart is for this morning is I think we're in a season where we as disciples of Jesus need to deepen in our discipleship because the world is going to require more of us. We're not hiking in Kansas City right now. We're, we are going up a mountain and to, to effectively bear witness to Jesus, we all need to intentionally deepen in our discipleship so we can climb that mountain. Right? Like, I need to train to climb uh, Moscow Pass, which I tried to do a bit ago. Uh, we need to deepen our discipleship to respond to this world. And so this morning, that's, that's what this is about. And, and as I look at this, uh, this prayer of Jesus that he gives to us, he teaches us how to pray, there's, there's three, three phrases, three words I want to I focus our time on. He tells us to pray, Father. He tells us to pray, your kingdom come. And he tells us to pray, deliver us from temptation. So first, Father. Uh, now Misty and I, we've been married 12 years, which means at some point we've gotten into a disagreement. Or what honest people call fights. And what I've noticed, anytime we fight, it's, it's just like it's a rebuttal process. Right? It's like, Someone says something, and it's like, oh, I got a good comeback for that. And it's like, oh, I got a good comeback for that. And it's just a, it's a rebuttal process. And listen, the fight just goes on and on and on uh, in circular motion um, in that rebuttal process until someone says, I'm, I'm going to stop rebutting. I'm going to stop being a rebut head. Right, that's good. You should write that down. Um, I'm going to stop the rebut. And, and instead, of, instead of me gearing up a response that I want you to hear, I'm going to listen for what I think you want me to hear. And without fail, when, whenever one of us gets to that place where it's like, you know what, I don't have to rebut anymore. I don't want you to hear from me anymore. I want to hear from you. 
the, the fight's over. Now listen, the conversation's still real, it's still raw, but it's, those are some of my favorite moments of marriage, is when we're, it's raw, but it's real, but we're not rebutting, we're, we're hearing one another's heart. Now that's, not, that's nothing revolutionary. Stephen Covey and his seven habits of highly effective people, habit two is seek first to understand, right? So you just want to be a good person, just do that. Um, so what does that have to do with Jesus saying to us, pray, Father? You have to understand first, like this is a revolutionary idea for Jesus to say, when you address God, address him as Father. Um, in that day, they would address God, uh, you know, in high terms. And I love the way the Jesus Storybook Bible does this. Sally Lloyd-Jones, uh, when she's kind of riffing off this passage, uh, she, she sort of says, the language, you know, people tell you to pray to God is, oh, your magisterial brightness, um, or oh, your glittering highness. Right? That's how you pray to God, because he's, he's very important, and he is. Um, but Jesus says... When you pray, pray, Father. What does that mean? Um, now listen, if you had a, a good earthly father, this is easy illustration to latch into. If you had a, a not so good earthly father, this is hard. Um, and I'm sorry, and I hope you still will be able to break through to see the beauty of what Jesus is, is inviting you um, to relate to God as. So Jesus says, pray, Father, what does that mean? And here's what it means. It means God is not just willing to listen to you. He is eager to hear from you. God is eager to hear from you. Now, I haven't seen my kids in a couple days, and, and when I called them and talked to them um, and asked them how they were doing, I just want to know what was going on in their day, right? Like, what did you have to eat? What games did you play? Listen, if one of my kids called you and said, hey, it's spaghetti for dinner tonight, you're going to hang up. Like, I don't care. Like, what, what a weird phone call, right? But with me, it's like, oh, yeah, it's spaghetti. Like, was it good? Like, what, what are you doing? It's like, I want to hear. I'm eager because I'm their father. I want to hear from them. And when Jesus says, pray, Father, um, that's what he, he's getting at. Now, back to the me and Misty situation. I think one of the reasons why it's, get, it's hard to get out of the rebuttal process and into the hearing, into the seek first to understand, is because until you really feel in your soul level like you're, you're understood by others, listen, any good counselor would tell you, until you feel that deep in your soul, you're, you're going to react in anger and frustration. It's going to be hard for you to seek first to understand. It's hard for me to want to understand others if I don't feel understood. Now, listen, as Christians, our gospel is that we pray Father, which means God's, God's, God's an invitation to us to address Him is Him saying to us, Climb in my lap. I want to hear from you. I want to understand you. What are you feeling? Where are you hurting? Right? God doesn't look at you and say, oh, gosh. All right, let's just make it quick. No, he's, he wants to understand us. And he already does, of course, but he wants to hear from us so that we feel understood. And if Christians enter into that experience of God, and we feel in our soul level understood by God and welcomed by God and heard by God, I think that could make us into people who go out into the world and aren't looking at the world and saying, hey, understand this. I got something to say. But instead going out into the world and saying, I want to understand you. I'm understood. I might, that need is met for me. How can I understand you? Um, now, now, in each of these three points, what I'm going to do is I'm going to unpack the gospel and then I'm going to try to use the gospel to apply to our current moments. That's what I'm going to do now. That the gospel is, we pray, Father, when we apply it to this moment, here's, 
Here's what I want us to think about. Um, when I saw the death of George Floyd, like, like all of you I've talked to, I, that was, it was awful. Um, and as I, as, I, as I reflected on that, I, I think I pretty quickly moved to, but, but at least things have changed in that the police chief has condemned the killing, has arrested the officers. As a society, we all say that was wrong. No one's, no one's, uh, no one's praising that violence. And I, I sort of immediately jumped to that, that narrative. But then when I talked to African Americans, and some of those conversations were just filled with anguish. It was, it was just, it was painful to hear. Because when they see that image, they, that invokes narratives and events in a past and a history sometimes very personal to them. They've had a similar encounter with police where they weren't sure their life was going to make it. Or they just look at past police or state-sanctioned violence by our country in the civil rights era or before that. And they see that image and, a, and feelings come up and a, sto- and a story and a narrative comes up. And a lot of what our African-American friends are saying right now, or some of them are saying, is, is listen, you need to hear our story and our pain. And I believe Christians are the best equipped people in the world to do that. If we live out of the gospel. Because we go to them and we say, yes, there's a God who's heard my pain, who's entered into my narrative, who has given me hope. Let me hear your story and your narrative, because I, I think he wants to enter that too. So Jesus says first, pray, Father. And we Christians, uh, and listen, this is, this is what we do anytime someone walks into our church, right? Is, is we just want to hear their story. We want to know them. We want to listen to them. We want to welcome them well. And that requires loving them in such a way that we want to understand them. So Jesus says, pray, Father, which means we can seek first to understand in this world. The second thing Jesus tells us to pray is, your kingdom come. Uh, now, there's, I think, a couple of ways we should think about that. One is individual, one is, is corporate or social. Um, the individual way is the next two phrases Jesus gives in the prayer, which is, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Well, just think about that. Like our, our king invites us to pray to him, forgive us our sins. Let's be transparent. Like I, I just really wrestled with believing that's true of Jesus or of God. That He looks at me and is like, "Bring your, bring your sins to me. Let's talk. Let's you know confess. I want to heal you." I so often think that when it comes to my own sinfulness, God's just sort of like, you know, man, we've talked about this. When you get it together, let's you can come back then. Um, and I've been I've been reading a book, Gentle and Lowly, which if you struggle. Um, to believe that, that God wants to enter into your sinfulness to forgive you. You need, you need to read this book. This book's been just wrecking me in a good way. Um, here's what uh, Dane Ortlund writes about Jesus. Jesus does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon, with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He went down into the horror of death and plunged out through the other side in order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. Our, the kingdom of God 
is a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. We need that right now, don't we? So that's the individual good news of the kingdom of God, is that we are, when we come to Jesus seeking forgiveness, he's eager to heal. This is the individual way I want us to think about that. The the social way I want us to think about that is, you know, my my hope was, and, and it still is, that we'll preach through Revelation in the fall, um, and I say my hope is because, like, who knows what's going to happen in two weeks, right? Um, but the reason why I wanted to preach that is, is I, I feel like in my own discipleship, I don't think about the kingdom of God enough and what's coming and the good news that is coming. And, and especially when you, when you go to Revelation and you see everything, everything sad comes untrue, everything broken gets healed, everything, uh, every, every division gets mended. And in particular, Revelation is very explicit about the fact that the nations, the different cultures and peoples, are no longer at war with one another. They're together again. And so when we look out at the turmoil, the unrest, or like we're also in a pandemic, right, the disease, we look out at the world and we just say, oh, God, bring your kingdom. We're tired of our kingdom. Bring your kingdom. And so our discipleship needs that, that clear vision of the kingdom of God. So we live in hope. That's the, that's the gospel. Let me, let me try to apply that to this, this moment. At the beginning of 2020, uh, as a pastor, I was just really concerned because um, it was an election year. Now it's an election year with a pandemic, uh, with incredible racial unrest, and and now uh, violence attached to everything going on. Um, and the reason why, yes, we got a lot. Um, and the reason why I'm so concerned is, is one of the ways people abandon Jesus is they abandon the kingdom of God for the kingdom of the world. And they ab- abandon the vision of the kingdom of God for a political vision. And we all see this. We typically see this of Christians on the other political spectrum, how they abandon key, key witness elements to Jesus um, so that they, uh, they can have political power, they can, can go their own way. We, we see that clearly in, in those we disagree with. But I think we need to stay awake to that, that possibility within us, that we would ab- abandon the vision of the kingdom of God and settle for the kingdom of this world. And listen... History is littered with stories of the church doing that. And even that's a lot of what our African-American brothers are crying out about is, is the history of the church in the kingdom of God with respect to race in the United States history, it's a mixed bag. There's some heroes like Harriet Tubman getting a rifle and freeing slaves, right? Like, the, you know, just Christian all out for Jesus to bring freedom and abolition. But alongside that, there's also um, you know, the largest Christian Protestant denomination um, today was founded be- originally because they opposed abolition and black civil rights, and they wanted to maintain slavery, um, the, the Southern Baptist Convention. And listen, I love, I love the Southern Baptist churches now, but that's a part of that history. Or you go back to the Jim Crow era, and, um, and you see Christians defending um, what is indefensible. And, and listen, there's been good news in that respect. And that I don't know any Christians that, that would defend either slavery or um, racism or civil rights, uh, um, the civil rights of black. I, I don't know that. I, that's not, just not true anymore. And yet, we can't lose that history for two reasons. 
We need to keep that history in our narrative and story for two reasons. One is, if you were to ask most non-Christians why they're not Christians um, today, one of the, the, the number one reason is hypocrisy, and that is often tied to the church's hypocrisy when it comes to race and in our country's um, past. And so we need to keep the kingdom of God front in mind for people. Listen, that, that was a failure of the kingdom of God, and this is what the kingdom of God is. So we need to be clear about that, ongoing with people. But the second reason, and this is... We all need to hear this, and I'm preaching to myself first, is we need to warn ourselves against the possibility that we would abandon the kingdom of God for the kingdom of this world. And it's not just the United States history where this has happened. You can look throughout the history of the church, where the church abandoned the kingdom of God for a a political kingdom in this world. In fact, the Apostle Peter himself, in Galatians 2, we read of a story where he entered back into some racial prejudice um, and, and he and Paul have it out because Paul's like, you're not living in line with the gospel. And Peter repents and there's this powerful moment. Um, and so, so listen, if I have one of two choices with all of that. And that's hard. That's heavy. And when I think about my own discipleship, I have one of two choices. Either I sit back and say, listen, man, I'm, I'm more advanced in my discipleship than Peter was, than all those Christians in the past. I, I'm, not, I'm immune to all that. I have no possibility of racial prejudice. <laughs> Um, or I have no possibility of, of abandoning the kingdom of God for the kingdom of this world. That's just not me. Um, that feels a little arrogant. Um, or I look at church history and I, I say, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And I, I say, God, keep the kingdom of God front and mind for me. And search my heart for any, any, any way in me that is not pure and holy and good and in the way of the kingdom of God. And like we said, forgiveness of sin um, is right there waiting for us. So Father, your kingdom come, and then finally, deliver us from temptation. Um, Now here I'm going to reverse the order. I'm going to start with the challenge, then I'm going to move to the gospel. And the challenge is this. This word temptation is the Greek word parasmon. So say it, parasmon. You learned a little Greek. Um, and I, I've said this before in a past sermon, but that word shows up three places in the Gospel of Luke that I think are incredibly important. It shows up in Luke 4, when Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And it's, we're told that Jesus uh, was an, underwent a parasmon um, by the devil to abandon his messianic calling to save us through death on the cross and to go the way of Satan instead. Uh, then it shows up here in Luke 11. We're told to pray, deliver us from the parasmon. And then at the end of the, of the Gospel of Luke, it shows up when Jesus goes to the, the people he've asked, he's asked to pray for him, Peter included in that, and, uh, and says to, to them, because uh, they fall asleep when he asks them to pray for them, he says, Get, stay awake. The, you need to pray that you will be delivered from the parasmon. So this prayer of being delivered from the parasmon is incredibly important um, to, the, to, to Luke and his theology. And it was important to Peter as well, because Peter, this, that event where he fell asleep and Jesus woke him up and said, hey, you need to pray that you're delivered from the temptation. Uh, Peter, I think, was reflecting on that later in his life in 1 Peter 5, uh, where he writes this. says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Literally, that means stay awake. Stay awake. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Um, and here, here's what I would say is this is a time where we need to stay awake 
to the temptations around us, whether it be to to abandon God, our, our Father, and pray that way, or, or to, to pray your kingdom come, to lose the vision of the kingdom of God. But more than anything, we need to stay awake because as I started, this is a season of deepening our discipleship because the world's going to need more from the church, and I believe the church has it through the power of the Spirit and the gospel of Jesus. And the reason I believe that, you know, last Sunday, that was my birthday, um, but I mean, I, just, I woke up and my heart, it's just heavy. Heavy from um, the unrest, heavy from the fact that, that now we're seeing um, rioters and, and, and violence happen in the streets. Still heavy from the murder of, of George Floyd. It's just heavy. And, and part of that was because all that week and weekend, we had been going through a pretty significant pastoral care situation with someone in our church. And let me just say, all through that time, you, you all responded with outrageous generosity. And then Sunday afternoon, I got an email and a text that just, and just brought me to tears for the way you all responded to that, that need. And I, I just remember thinking to myself, man, this world's so, so badly broken. And yet here's the church. If we, if we center our eyes on Jesus, deepen our discipleship, and, and follow him, we will meet the challenge of this moment. But here's where I want to end. We will not meet the challenge of this moment by our, our own effort, our own work, our own... Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to will myself to, to be a good witness to Jesus. No, we, we meet this moment because uh, when Jesus went to the, the disciples who'd fallen asleep and said, you need to pray that you're, you don't fall into the temptation, into the, the, the test, the parasmon. I used to think what he was saying was, listen, if you, if you keep falling asleep while you pray, you're failing and you're going to fall into the temptation. So you better stay awake or you're going to fall into the temptation. Um, and I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. I think what he was saying was he had asked he had asked them to pray for him. And so when he went to them and said, stay awake and pray that you don't fall into the temptation, he's saying, you need to pray for me because I'm about to go and take the temptation on for you. Everything that Satan wants to bring into this world, I'm about to take that on myself. And you need to pray for me because if I, if I get through this, you're delivered from the temptation. And Jesus went to his cross. He was murdered. He was killed unjustly. He was crucified. He was put in a tomb as a common criminal and raised to new life three days later. So that you and I can stand here and listen, we have, we have questions and we have, uh, some of us are really hurting. Some of us are really frustrated. Some of us are really angry. And we can put all of that, we can climb into our Father's lap and he'll hear us, he'll listen to us. We can pray and, and plead with him, God, bring your kingdom to us. And he'll say, I've already begun that work through my son, Jesus, on his cross. Now believe and go give that to the world. Let's pray. Father, I begin in a place asking you to help me stay awake. 
to discipleship to Jesus, to faithfulness to the gospel. And I also begin in a place of just lamenting where our country is at. We lament the hurt and the pain that African Americans feel at the, at the murder of George Lloyd. We pray, your kingdom come. A just, good, fair kingdom would come. And I pray for us, your church, God, that you would, you would train us, you would deepen us, you would lead us into a place where we could, we could begin to move into the world. Hear the stories around us and offer them the Father. A spirit moving us, I pray, for the glory of Jesus. Amen.